You're listening to Her, an ongoing conversation for women by women, exploring all things heal, empower, and rise, giving voice to the feminine. This is a podcast where women support women through thought-provoking, authentic, and raw conversations. I'm Elika. I'm Alegria. And we're here to guide this adventure with you. Your voice matters. Let your voices be heard. In today's episode, Alegria interviews Angela Cotherman, a speech and language pathologist in elementary schools in Northern California. They discuss the concerns, challenges, and silver linings of supporting preschool through elementary students and families that require additional support services in the traditional educational environment and how these supports may be affected with distance learning this year. For reference, this episode was recorded the first week of September when many Northern California schools began. It's been nearly a month and these districts have made the decision to continue distance learning for the remainder of 2020 due to COVID-19. Okay, and we're live. Hi, Angela. Hi, Alegria. I'm really happy to have you on the call today. I'm excited to talk all things education and pandemic with you because this is certainly a different reality that we're all navigating in 2020. I wanted to give you a moment to go ahead and introduce yourself and share with us what your role is at this time in education and how you're navigating this pandemic. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for asking me to join. I'm excited to talk with you today. Um, so my name is Angela Cotherman, and I'm a speech and language pathologist in the elementary school setting. With your kids, are they referred to you through IEPs? Right. So there's a couple different ways that referrals come to me. Um, I have been doing all the district preschool services as well as the elementary school services. And so preschoolers can come to me in a variety of ways. I get parent phone calls um, that just kind of look up their district information and say, hey, can you direct me to the speech therapist? My friend said my child should be talking more, but I think they sound fine. And so sometimes I'll just get a parent referral other times I'll get a referral from a physician's office. They might notice that the speech and language is delayed, you know, when they go in for their three-year wellness checkup. Other times I'll get referrals from Head Start teachers um, or preschool teachers. So they come in a variety of, of referrals. In terms of elementary schoolers, usually the referral will come from teachers where they have a new student coming in, maybe from a different school or a different district or just up the level of, of the grade and noticing some speech sound errors or some language issues. And so sometimes they'll come to me um, from the teacher. So there's a variety of ways. And then, you know, in terms of education, that's how I get the referrals. And then I also do a small private practice on the side. And so sometimes I'll just get phone calls or word of mouth 
Awesome. And just for some of our listeners that may not be familiar with the the acronym IEP, could you go into that and share what it is? Definitely. So an IEP is an individual education plan, and this is going to be a legal and binding plan that pretty much we as a school staff establish for a child to modify their curriculum, um, to have them be provided with services, um, to help them be more successful. So, you know, you'll have your kids in general ed that can participate in all statewide standards, grade level curriculum, and then you might have some children who, you know, truly do have a learning disability and they might need curriculum modified, they might need additional time to complete certain activities, they may have a processing disability, they may have autism. So this is just a plan where we create modifications and accommodations in their day-to-day schedule and curriculum um, to help them be more successful and to meet their goals. So some of the services that can be provided on an IEP are specialized academic instruction, resource, occupational therapy, speech and language therapy, behavior, uh, behavioral assistance, counseling, things like that. So um, the IEP is a really great legal document to put in place legally saying that, you know, we're going to make modifications for the student and pretty much it, it helps legally bind ourselves to say that these are the supports we're going to provide so that we can best support your child in continuing with their curriculum and and their success. Awesome. I'm so glad that we have those in place to support our youth with their learning needs. So Mm -hmm. you're in a really fascinating role right now uh, at this time in schooling. I mean, just in a natural, normal reality, you're in a very special role with students and supporting them. How has that changed with COVID this year? It seems everything has changed, really. Given that yesterday was the first day of school, very different for me. Um, Usually I'm used to all the smiling faces coming down the hallway, um, you know, seeing some of my same students from um, last year and talking about their summer and lots of high fives and hugs and Skittles and M&Ms and stickers and, um, you know, it's been very different. You know, we're all meeting online. Um, Yesterday was the first day of school and the internet decided to go out in our area, leaving four, four school districts without internet. And so teachers have been planning some all summer, some for the last two weeks building their classrooms, putting up monitors, maybe even two, putting nice green screen or decorations in the back, prepping. And on Sunday evening, the internet went down. And so many teachers had to provide these uh, Google Classroom meets from their homes. And, um, you know, so it's, it's very, very different. Without the internet, we have no power school, which is their system to look up all the students, their grade levels, parents' names, phone numbers, emails, 
what class they're even in. Um, so for me, I usually hit the ground running, get my class list, figure out where all my kids are during the day, start to make my schedule. Now yesterday was very different for me. I don't even have my class schedule yet because I have my own, I know who my speech and language kiddos are, but I don't know the general ed teacher. Um, I have to get online and go through a bunch of different shared Google Drive documents to see what the third grade schedule is like and what the fourth grade schedule is like and what they've developed is kind of a synchronistic, asynchronistic schedule. So for some of the morning, the kids will be online, live with their teacher and their peers doing activities, and other times they'll be watching pre-recorded videos, asked to do certain activities that aren't necessarily live. And so just figuring out when the kids are online and when is a good time to pull them. When school was in session, you know, I would work around each grade level's recess, each grade level's lunch, ask the teacher what time was best for them for pullout. And um, now, even though it seems like it would allow a little more flexibility for time, um, you know, I'm not going to pull, I don't want to pull my students out of a three-hour chunk that they are receiving general ed. And so my goal this week is to start calling parents, see what works best for them, try not to hit the times that they're online with their Google Classroom, and then try to provide my speech and language services um, outside of that time, because I don't want them to miss that time they're in their general ed setting online with their teacher and all their peers' faces appearing. And so it's different. Us, us speech therapists, we are the biggest workers of Tetris scheduling, um, even when school is in session. So um, usually the first two weeks, we are plugging and chugging away at the calendar and at the schedule to try to fit kids into certain time slots. and then working around their resource time or working around when they have occupational therapy. Um, so it's, it's very, it's very much a Tetris scheduling game. Yeah. It sounds like flexibility. I mean, everybody is being asked to implement extreme flexibility this year. I know parents themselves are having to now, figure out how to be present, especially with their younger children that can't stay home alone while juggling work. In some cases, families are having to forgo a job so that a parent can be at home. Then there's families like mine where it's solo, single mom, like I have to work and be with my preschooler. So mm -hmm. how to make that work. So we're all being asked to be extremely flexible at this time. Uh, which I think can be an asset in a lot of ways, uh, but wow, you're going above and beyond to, to navigate so many different changing schedules that are already in flux and finding your windows of time to even reach your kids um, when, you, when you're able to work with them. So is that looking like after hours time now, or how, how do you do it? Um. 
I don't know yet because um, I'm in day two of this new um, school year. Back in March, when all of this shelter in place occurred, we were kind of just thrown into the fire and asked to do the best that we could in the given time that we had. Um, you know, we had to wait for at least two weeks for um, CDE guidelines and if we were coming back or if we weren't. And, um, you know, the County Office of Education has their own guidelines too. So, um, you know, the first week or two after shelter in place took effect in March, was all kind of just a waiting game. And, um, you know, at that time, I started looking up different online platforms to provide speech and language therapy. Um, you know, I have many friends that are teletherapists already for their normal job. And so um, I didn't want to have to recreate the wheel or do Zoom sessions with a green screen behind me and hold up little props and, you know, make little cards because there's programs that have established fun games and activities and little spinners and little dice rollers and cards that are already pre-made. So did a little research, bought a program, um, you know, that had all the different activities you could choose from. And so that was kind of what we just rolled with. And we offered parents a time that we thought was appropriate course, you know, that was a little bit of a reduction of time for their speech and language services or maybe even their resource time. I tried to go with about a 50% reduction for some of my higher level kids. Say if it was just a kid that needed speech articulation for their S's, they may have a frontal lisp and they've been in speech a long time. They're doing fairly well. They just need that reminder. You know, so I would provide about 15 to 30 minutes a week direct time on the computer, practicing, I can see their face, giving them S cards, playing games and activities. And you know what, what was a little disheartening was that a lot of parents in that time of overwhelming jobs, their kids are at home all day, they may have multiple children who are all on different schedules. You know, I had, I had a handful of parents just kind of opt out and say, it's too much. We can't do it right now. You know, let's talk about resuming services when school gets back to normal. And then, and then I have no normal. <laughs> normal, right? There's no normal. <laughs> yeah, we're all finding out what the new normal means. But then on the other hand, I had parents who logged on every single Wednesday at their two o'clock time and could really tell they set their student up with um, you know, a good setting at the kitchen table, like limit distractions. And so you find that in the school system too, and dealing with, you know, the special ed population, as well as parents, and then as well as our community as a whole. You know, there's a lot of high numbers of ACEs, mm -hmm. adverse childhood experiences, you know, and so it, that, that kind of stuff happens during a given normal school year, you know, where some parents are showing up to meetings with their legal books in hand and ready to, to go guns a-blazing. And on the other end of that spectrum, you may work all evening on a report and the parent never shows up. So just finding that balance and, you know, realizing you're there for the child and really encouraging and, and pumping up parents to be like, you know, we're in this together. I'm here to 
provide the best therapy and support for your child and how can we help you? Luckily, my district has been amazing in that we're providing technology for every child. We're helping to set them up with different Sunlink um, promotions for free or reduced internet. Food service, you know, has gone throughout the whole summer even to provide some of our low-income families with meals. And, um, you know, so working for a good school district, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. And, um, you know, we're just trying to provide the families with the supports that they need so that children can access their curriculum and their IEP services and their therapies online. So we, we're doing the best we can. Yeah. Are you, so it sounds like you've really done a number of online supports and gotten those really into place. Um, are you meeting with any students in person at this time? I'm not. What we're going to start with this year is full distance. And for our kids who have IEPs, they get reevaluated every three years. And so what this means is that they are given full standardized assessment. So say a child comes in with just speech and language. I give them assessments that are all standardized. Um, I figure out you know, where they fall in a percentile ranking and a normal bell curve and say you know, they qualify with seventh percentile or below. That child's IEP will be good for three years. And every three years, we reassess to see if they still qualify and also just to get an updated report of where they're functioning. Same thing with academics. They would, they would do an academic assessment to see where their skills are, um, including cognitive, um, social, emotional, so things like that. So what we're finding now is that a lot of the IEPs that were overdue or lapsed from March, we held off on those. Now that we're starting up a new year, we have a list of all these kids who have had lapsed IEPs. And so in choosing the program online, my program, which is called Presence Learning, is really great because they have all the standardized assessments converted into PDF and electronic form. Um, and so for speech and language, and even some uh, psych assessments, they're going to be able to do those assessments via distance. But we are reaching out to parents asking if they feel comfortable bringing their child in if it's more academic. We may need to see how they compose a paragraph or a sentence written. And so a lot of times if parents feel comfortable we are going to start bringing students in one by one with all the PPE precautions. We have plexiglass on the tables. It's very strict with designated hallways and designated bathrooms for students only. Um, certain wings of the school can and cannot go. And then, you know, pretty strict sanitation protocol after the child leaves. So for some students, they will be coming in to do assessment in person and other students, you know, if their parents don't feel comfortable, we will try to do that online. And then for me, with the program I'll be using, I'll be able to complete most of my assessments 
on the computer. Wow. So the name of the game this year on all accounts is just adapt, 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 adapt. Be flexible. <laughs> wow. As you were speaking, I felt sadness welling up in my, in my being because it sounds like with your particular position, it's very one-on-one. -on -one. You build a deep rapport with your students and even the families. And now we're having no physical contact, no high fives, no stickers, no, none of those things that you described what a normal start of a school year would look like. And instead, we're replacing all of those warm, fuzzy feeling um, tactile interactions with plexiglass and masks and deep sanitization. So my question to you on that is, how do you think that these protocols are affecting the social emotional of the children and families that you're working with? Yeah, I think that's going to be the big question of 2020. You know, we all know that their academics are going to fall behind. We know that. But for the social emotional part, there's huge questions there. You know, a lot of parents have reported, you know, that my, my child just misses their peers. You know, my child just misses play dates. You know, and even for us adults, you know, I miss my friends. I miss seeing you. Um, you know, I would love to go out and have a glass of wine with you um, <laughs> and all of our girlfriends. And, um, you know, just finding ways we can do that um, with social distancing and, and staying safe. And it's, it's weird that you ask that question because I'm a very social person. I'm a hugger. I'm a joker. I'm a hugger at heart. And, and it's been really hard. And one of my closest students who is very impacted in her education um, and her cognitive capabilities was actually in the office today doing some in-person assessment with her teacher. And, um, you know, she's my neighbor too. And so I, I see her often and and I saw her today in the office and her and her mom are all masked up and there's plexiglass in the office at the desk. And it just took everything in me to not want to give her a hug because like she's my little buddy. You know, we were very close. Some of the kids at my other school I've been with for six years, you know, so it's really hard when you see them and, and you want to give them a hug. But Kids are so resilient and bright that they, they understand what's going on right now, you know, and she kind of went to like fist bump me or like give me a little elbow because they understand like, oh, we can't like touch and hug right now and we have to be distant and, you know, so I just said, oh, hi, you know, I wish I could give you a hug and I miss you and so it's hard. I think, I think that with the technology the way it was before COVID hit, it's impacting our children socially and emotionally, and it's gonna take a bigger hit now that we are physically forced to be socially distanced. You know, I think before kids were just so caught up with the iPads and the games, and you know, they, they wanna do that. And I was seeing it impact my kids with autism or, you know, just the social aspect. You'd ask, you know, what'd you do over the weekend? Oh, you know, nothing. I played video games. <laughs> so the technology piece in terms of impacting social emotional have been there before COVID. 
But now it's amplified. They are truly being forced to not have social group settings or, you know, be in their classroom setting with their peers that they may have been in classrooms since they were kindergarten with. So I think we're going to we're going to have a lot more studies and research coming out over the next couple of years to see how this year is going to impact later social emotional development. I mean, you mentioned ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. That's a real hot topic in the education field right now and psychology mm-hmm. for child development. And so I'm curious What impact do you think COVID will play in ACEs for children today? That's a good question. And it it makes my heart jump a little bit when you ask me that. Like, do you think that COVID will be considered an adverse childhood experience because of the impact that it's having on our social emotional? I don't like to phrase it as driving fear because I believe that the caution is... Um, really valuable and minimizing risk is essential. And so I'm on that side of the, of the field. And so I have resistance to wanting to believe that this will actually have a really negative impact. And so I'm really curious because you're the expert here. (laughs) What do you think? I think the kids who are at risk for ACEs and who have ACEs, already in their lives are going to be more exposed to having this be a traumatic time for them because they are seeing their parents stress about work or loss of jobs or food on the table or not being able to have internet access to access online curriculum. When you think about our community in terms of drug use and alcoholism and homelessness, You know, we have a lot more of that than other counties. So when you add more life stresses and financial hardship to those already delicate families, it's going to be harder. Such a hard question to try to answer because you don't, you don't know what the future is going to hold, but you know that those families are so fragile already that how could COVID not impact their little lives so much more by, by dealing with watching their parents go through hardships too. You know, I think they're going to realize more about financial hardships, about job losses. I mean, they're, Kids are seeing that happen and, you know, it's going to create some kind of trauma based because when kids experience that kind of stuff, they start to grow up more quickly than they would. But yeah, I I do think a lot of the families are feeling the stress and I feel like the children are also feeling the stress too on top of the social aspects being taken away from them. You know, the kid kids want to be in school, kids want to be with their peers, you know, even if they don't like the academics, or they say they they hate school, you know, truly kids want to be in school with their peers. It's a social time for them. So, you know, it's tough. And again, in our community, we don't have a lot of resources for counseling and trauma-informed professionals. So I'm hoping that a lot of budget and funding will go towards finding those people to help support our kids. But it's going to be a big topic. And I think I think it's really important to be sensitive with 
with the children's social emotional development at this time because and it's not like our society or our world hasn't experienced things like this before it's just our generation going through this you know we've had you know other plagues and illnesses that have really impacted you know our grandparents i think I think what's really important is reaching out to our older populations who may have experienced certain pandemics like this before and, you know, seeing how they dealt with things. But with technology and everything being so different, it may or may not apply to us. But I think as a community, you know, and staying safe is going to be so much more important than a year of social distancing and I actually ran into another one of my students in the parking lot as I was leaving school and they're like Miss Angela and I was just like hey buddy you know how you doing like how's your summer how are you hanging in there you know how's how's online school going and he's like well it's not as fun but it's better than getting COVID <laughs> you know so <laughs> the silver lining yeah, they understand, um, and they're making sacrifices. But the kids in special ed who may not fully understand cognitively what's going on, it's going to be harder for them. You know, I'm just so thankful for some of my parents who you can really tell are trying to establish learning spaces in their homes and modifying their lives to make sure that their children are still trying to receive the best education via distance that they can. And we have to know that some families aren't going to be able to do those things. Again, just being really grateful for the school district that I work in, and they they really go above and beyond to try to help those families out more and be flexible to try to provide anything we can for them and help them get the supports they need. Yeah, when we talk about childhood traumas and ACEs and all of these really challenging impacts that um, this time might be having on our young people, I would ask you, you know, with resilience being one thing that kids are really exceptional at, what are the things that you would suggest for children and families to build capacity for their resilience? That's also a good question. You know, I don't have children of my own. I don't spend a lot of time with children outside of my job, which is, of course, Monday through Friday, nine to five. And it makes me think of back in March when shelter in place occurred and all the parents were just like, oh my God, what do I do with my kid all day? And at first, it was kind of like a no-brainer to me, like, play with them, read to them, teach them how to cook, go outside in nature. I, I mean, what do you do with them during the summer? You know, some parents truly can't do those things because they are working two jobs and they are a single parent. And so again having resources like the schools or teachers or other professionals to help guide them and give them resources of, oh, hey, look at this cool scavenger hunt that you guys can do in the Redwoods together. You know, parents might not have thought of that before. So I think the biggest thing is, you know, just enriching home lives, 
dancing in the living room, um, <laughs> as you know, you know, being free with your child to explore outdoors and nature and communication, open communication in the home of, of thoughts and ideas and dreams and feelings and emotions. And parents are the greatest teachers out there on top of teachers who have gone to school for that. So, you know, I would just really encourage parents and community members to reach out, you know, just establish those things in the community to to provide socially distant uh, appropriate activities, you know, outdoor activities, social distancing, community spots that are available, parks, other outdoor venues, um, you know, museums, virtual tours of museums. I've, I've seen a lot of that, um, you know, so really bringing it back to basics of reading to your child, making forts in the living room. Um, going outside, going to the beach, you know, kids can learn so much in those activities that aren't from a book yeah. or that aren't statewide curriculum 1.2-A. You know, those things can't be taught. They have to be experienced. They have to be felt. So I just, I really encourage my parents to get out in the community and, and this beautiful place that we live in is, is benefits us during this time. You know, so that's definitely what I would recommend to families is, you know, don't stress about the Zoom meeting and you couldn't get online or, you know, that this email didn't do that or this. Like, breathe, pick up the phone, call me, let me know. These are things you can do. You know, ask for supplemental materials. You know, I've spent a lot of time making packets to send home that never get picked up. So it's again just gauging your families and knowing how much they can deal with and accept when you're giving them big packets of paper and it may just be too overwhelming for them and they just they just might need an ear to listen to or a resource to say hey you know there's this place that you can go to that has free museum days and that might be enough for them versus you know shoving curriculum down their throat on an online forum that's frustrating for them too because the children are going to feed off of that too and realize that it's stressful um, for the parent and so if it's stressful for a parent it's going to there's going to be some stress on the on the child so sometimes it's best to just maybe shut the computer and and go outside i love that and our area is so rich with opportunities i can't say the same for all of our California, you know, towns and cities, but at least here in our little neck of the redwoods, we are just so blessed. I got to take my daughter to Fern Canyon this weekend, and it was seriously one of the best days ever. You know, it's just walking through the canyon of, you know, with two walls of cascading ferns and water dripping on both sides of the canyon I just felt like we were taking a bath in greenery and just like really how healing just being outside in that fresh air and being in nature where the world is still turning you know <laughs> like gonna be okay and I just love that well I just want to 
ask you one more thing um, because you're providing such a valuable service to so many children and families in our community with the work that you're doing. What are you doing to take care of you during this pandemic and how are you strengthening your own resilience? Well, um, you know, I am a big nature lover too. As you know, I'm a waterfall chaser. Um, my boyfriend and I love nature. We love hiking. Um, I'm just taking a deep breath. You know, I just had a long summer break, which is great. I, I love working in the school district because of that. This is the year of like letting go. You know, I've had a lot of changes with my placement and work, with my caseload. I've had to give up a lot of my longtime students to another speech therapist. And I am the kind of person that's like, this is the way I do it. I've been doing it this way for six years. Like, why do we have to change it? And I'm just letting go of certain things that are out of my control. Um, you know, I'm adapting with different technology. I, I consider myself pretty good at technology, but there's, I mean, it's outdated technology. Um, so I'm just trying to learn um, new ways I can connect with my family. I've been doing a lot of succulent planting in different um, <laughs> things in my home. Just knowing that as long as I'm trying to help my families access those resources and being available via text or phone call at any time, I'm, I'm one of those people who I will give out my personal phone number to parents because I want them to know I'm available. Even if that means I have a parent who may be texting or calling me based on any given thing that stresses them out, they just may need to have that person to listen. And so telling my families that, you know, text me or call me if you need anything, that makes me feel better at night knowing that I'm open for them. And if I don't have the answers, it's, I'm the type of person that says, you know, I'm just not sure I don't have the answers, but I can find out for you. I'm just trying to keep my sanity with outdoors and nature and try to check in with my families and my students from time to time, especially over summer break. But yeah, I'm doing good personally. <laughs> I love it. It's really, truly a unique time in our lifetime and in our kids' lifetimes. And I, I feel better knowing that you're on the front lines with our kids mm -hmm. and the families in our community. So thank you thank for your service. <laughs> Absolutely. You're welcome. If you enjoyed today's conversation, make sure you share our podcast with other women in your circle. And remember, your voice is your superpower.